Pastor Michael, we have been doing this public school debate here on the YouTube, and I think it is time to see how much further we can make it. So we heard about some of the extremes in the homeschool, right? You can go too far down that Christian private school. Let's find out what the extremes are. As we I forgot on. this is where we were. I forgot that we were about to hear what the extremes are on the left-hand side of you- this issue. and. We'll see. We will <laughs> we'll see what they say. You know, it's going to be hard to locate them because I don't know if there's a lot of extreme things happening in the government schools these days. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I would say that the probably the potholes on, on my side fall in, in two categories. One is um, I'm just going to send them and they'll be fine, like not staying involved in what's actually happening. Good question, Pastor Michael. How big is that pothole? It is probably... What do you think? 95, 90%. Grand Canyon. It is not a possible. <laughs> that is, I mean, it is the vast, vast majority of, of people that send their kids to government schools. Um, vast majority of Christians, I should say. And people in general. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not even just Christians, but culturally speaking, most people send their kids to school as a way so that they don't have to be the ones training them up, instilling in them this idea. They like they don't have to be the ones that are doing that. They let somebody else do it, um, and they don't think about it. They just don't. Probably fine. Um, that's yeah. that's the majority. Yeah, this probably fine parenting. That is, that is, this is without a doubt. It's it is, again. This is one of the things that's interesting about this is to call this an idea of like, well, this is a pothole. Like this is a potential error, a potential right? extreme. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the extremes on both ends, and that's right. an extreme. Um, that. It's not an extreme of the position. It is the majority of the position. That's right. In that education space, not um, finding ways to actually be physically present in it in appropriate ways for parents to be involved. Uh, you know, when they were in elementary school, I was going to be the room mom if I could, or at least be one of those moms um, so that I could get eyes on who these other kids were that they were interacting with. Um, I think just trusting that the peer group is probably not going to be an issue Um because the church youth group is going to make up for whatever. So I think if you're thinking, well, I'm going to outsource their education and their Christian formation, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, but I think the other side, too, that it Let's go ahead and say, if I'm going to outsource their education and Christian education, we have now, <laughs> we're, we're still at about a 95% of like what is happening. Um, it is interesting that, the way to do public education, like government school education, like apparently one of the necessary steps is you to actually go and be in part in the room to be involved. It's just, just, just interesting. Um, Just an interesting note. Where's my play button? It's also equally difficult is the parent who's like, nope, we're on mission here. And I'm going to ask a child who is um, socially uh, immature to go in with guns blazing and proselytize other students. Uh, Or I'm going to secretly try to get this public school to be a Christian school that's just, you know, acting like it's a public school. Like that's, I'll hear a lot um, from parents who will say, well, it's a public school, but all the teachers are Christians. And I'm like, well, 
I, I want my children to be exposed to all different kinds of teachers, and then I can parent them through whatever those are. So um, I don't want to covertly take over the public schools and make them Christian schools. Uh, although I right. value, uh, you know, the ethics that that would involve being in place in the public schools. Um, but I think that um, because they're public schools, they need to serve a general population in a way that a Christian school doesn't. And so that was always actually a big talking point with the kids was like, uh, what is appropriate as someone who is in basically a pluralistic environment? Uh, how is it appropriate to weigh into conversations when you do express your opinion? How do you do so that's respectful to the opinions of others? And I think that sometimes Christian parents can go on, go into those settings and sort of have a blunt force trauma event happen when they decide to express where they're coming from. So, yeah. That's, that's helpful. How All right, Pastor Michael. <laughs> So it would be oh, less. Man. Ideal. That's the extremes, Matt. That's it the extremes be, that we're dealing with. It would be less ideal if you were at a public school where they were just all Christian teachers. That's <laughs> if that they're all be, Christians, it's not good because that's not the kind of education she wants her kids to have. That's what I just heard. Am I right? I, by the way, at this point, I don't know someone based on the criteria that she has laid out who is who is meeting her conscientious reasoning for sending someone to the government public schools. I know lots of people who do it as we talked about earlier. It'll probably be, probably be fine. It'll probably be fine argument. I've heard. Or no, I did it like, you know, I yep. went through the public school when I was a kid and I turned out fine. So the, the missionary argument heard that one very common or the school district I'm in, my kids have a Christian teacher like, you know, that we have, we're, we're in a very unique place. Obviously the amount of times I hear we're in a very unique place tells me that, um, that that might be overstated, but that's also not good. Right. So, so though, all of those things we've learned are not good reasons to go to the public school. Now, the only one she didn't bring up, which you brought up is that, um, unless you're a person who, for whatever reason has decided my children will never, ever have any education that comes from a non-directly Christian source, um, that then becomes an actual negotiable thing, right? What I mean is like, well, if your kid's going to go get vocational training, well, that's not Christian. So that means you're okay with non-Christian sources, right? If you're okay with them going to a university or medical school or tech college that isn't Christian, you've just said it's okay to utilize that. And then if there's a mature Christian kid who's 16 it would be equally wrong then to say they could not participate in education at a public government school right because we're at this point we're just negotiating what is the involvement what involvement can we have in discipling and giving our kids a christian education now that is the one you brought up that's the only one that probably um that might be used that would be used by potentially wise christians but that'd be the only one uh, that isn't isn't described. So I've learned today, 99% of people who use government public education for their children are a wild extreme version of that viewpoint. Yeah. Well, um, I also, you know, I guess we are talking about Christians. So, so that's good. Um, uh, it does seem to me Western like there are other extremes, obviously, when it comes to public education. 
um, the kinds of extreme degeneracy that's being, you know, shoved in people's faces today, like just the, like the kind of pornographic materials and horrible things that are being shared all the time. Um, that, and a lot of just the, the just extreme propaganda, um, that seems also to be the case to me, but if, I guess we may just be, I can't really remember the exact question at this point, but, um, I guess it makes sense if it was, uh, primarily speaking about, you know, the extremes of Christians who send their kids to public yeah, schools. I guess this, this is um, what I would say. Now, uh, uh, this idea of some kind of neutrality in oh, a yeah. pluralistic culture being good, idea. being yeah. not just good, but better than, right, if it was just Christian, is psychotic. It is. Like, that is just such a, just a horrifying idea that as a Christian, you would think it's better that my child be taught by people of all these different religions and values and ideas um, that's better. And it would be wrong if it's public for it to be uh, primarily Christian, right? That would be wrong in and of itself. I think that that's wrong. So I, I was just reading this this morning. I shared this on Twitter. Um, this is from uh, Johannes Voss's commentary on the Westminster Larger Catechism. And I was reading about the, the his thoughts on the second commandment. And if you've read it, you know, he kind of goes through different questions about the Second Commandments. And this doesn't apply exactly to what we're talking about, but I do think that there's a, an application. So I want to read it for everybody yeah. here. So this is a question he asked when talking about um, the, the Second Commandment. He says, um, does not the American ideal of tolerance imply that one religion or manner of worship is as good as another and that all are equally pleasing to God? Undoubtedly, he says, this is the popular American ideal of tolerance as inculcated by the motion picture industry, the press, the radio, and the liberal churches. These powerful influence are, influences are molding the public opinion to the idea that all religions and all forms of worship are equally good and valuable, if only the worshiper is sincere. Protestantism, Catholicism, and Judaism are to be put on a level, uh, and on a level, and all distinctive features of any of them regarded as unimportant in the interest of Americanism or tolerance. Or you could say of, you know, kind of pluralistic societal values. Um, and he says, this is one of the most vicious and deplorable tendencies of our day. And we should be awake to its menace. If this emphasis on a false ideal of tolerance succeeds, true biblical Christianity will be eliminated as a powerful influence in our country. And the day may even come when Orthodox Bible Christians will have to suffer persecution as, quote unquote, enemies of democracy. Mm. Uh, now, Voss is writing, I don't know exactly when he was writing. I believe, I mean, it was in the 20th century sometime. Um, obviously, it's not uh, super recent, um, but that rings to me as almost prophetic and very applicable when we talk about the ideals of public or government education, that there's been this idea that actually what we need is this pluralism. And what's actually happened, though, is particular ideals are still being pushed. Um, it's it's just the from the point of view of the, the the antithesis to biblical Christianity. When you are sending a child to be enculturated, remember this idea of paideia uh, again, they're not just learning facts. They are being enculturated into an entire way of life and a worldview that uh, is going to shape how they live the rest of their life. It will shape them no matter what. Even if they repent of some of those things later, they're going to be shaped by it forever in one way or another. And you are sending them to get that from people that hate God 
that hate the image of God and man, that uh, oftentimes have uh, distinctly evil agendas. That's not a good thing. Now, obviously, you could say uh, if if like if somebody tells me their child's older and they they are generally Christian teachers. Actually, that's a good uh, that's a better case to be made to say yeah. that it's an extreme for people to say, you know, well, they're Christian teachers. Um, no, if it's a Christian teacher, I'm far more likely to be OK sending my child to that. Uh, but you're still dealing with non-Christian administration, non-Christian uh, students, non-Christian. And not just it's not just that they're not that they're around non-Christians. Obviously, they if you live in the world in any regard, you're going to interact with that. Right. I mean, my kids are homeschooled. They interact with non-believers all the time in our family, amongst other friends, amongst people we invite over, like just all over the place. They interact with non-believers. But uh, those non-believers are not the primary force of enculturating them into life on a day to day basis. Right. That's the difference here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I support Christian public school teachers, which she said was a real concern at the beginning of this. Yeah, and absolutely. 100%. And they can act like Christians. And it's better for them to act like Christians. Because it's and to better teach to teach Christians like Christians. And to, and to yeah. teach Christian values. And yeah. like that's all better for, for them and their students. Because in general, on a, on a, and I, and I might, it, this might sound extreme, Pastor Michael. It's better to not violate the second commandment. <laughs> As, as you live your life and as you teach and as you educate. It's out. If I might jump in there. Please and just say so. yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that the, it has to start in the home and, you know, knowing you and, and being in your home, I, I know you guys have done this well, no crying in math and all that. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and, and it is what is challenging, I think, is that Christian parents who put their kids in Christian schools could, as you just said, actually, neglect making the home the center as well and so that's the irony of it like you can again outsource it all to church i just want to affirm what you're saying that that's that's the challenge i think is that you we we have to start recognizing that we are responsible i think part of the trick that i'd like to hear from you about is what about the single mother or the the parents that have to work a ton of jobs and they and or for mental health reasons a thousand reasons they aren't able to give that kind of energy to the home and focus with central spaces there are a million reasons why it may not happen in that scenario how doesn't it seem like that maybe um christian school would be a far better option because if you can't do the other very well at least getting some help on the formative side i'm just curious how you think about that i mean frankly my question would be how how are we supposed to pay for that uh, I mean, the financial implications of Christian school are staggering. And so I ask, are Christian parents going into debt over this? Is that right? You know, I mean, like, that's a conversation for families to have among themselves. I would never just say, you know, you should never, ever do that. But uh, for us, you know, $35,000 a year for that many children over that many years, I, I can't even imagine how we would have done that this is and so while i do think christian school is is well suited for some families low blow. um i i think of the other single moms and and parents where both parents are working uh who who that's not even on the table for them and and then how do i make sure because it's good for all of us if those families also thrive 
And so being present in the public schools is a way to ask a question which someone posed to me recently that I thought was a thought-provoking question. Whose children deserve a bad education is what this person asked. Well, I think we would all say no one's, no one's do. And so then it reframes for me, gosh, I'm going to try with everything that I can to make sure that not just my own children are thriving, but that the children in my community and my area of influence are thriving as well. Um, so, you know, I honestly, my, my like exposure to the years. Christian schools yeah. that I know of is not overly positive. Uh, I think when you're charging a premium to educate children, you have a vested interest in trumpeting the the value of what you're doing in a way that doesn't always translate into outcomes. Um, I'm not saying that's the way every Christian school is. My daughter actually had an overwhelmingly positive experience in a Christian school um, that was um, that didn't didn't come out of uh, desegregation. You know, it was just a really sweet place to teach. And it was good for me to see that positive expression of Christian education because my mother had taught in Christian schools and had a negative experience. I had some baggage. So I do know mm -hmm. it can be a great environment for kids, but it's never going to be a widespread solution for people um, just due to the necessary expense that, that it requires. Tell us more about this baggage you have with Christian schools that may be influencing your answer that also may be influenced by the fact that every single person you share any blood relation with is currently paid by a government school. Pastor Michael, I'm not happy, by the way, uh, after this answer. Um, <laughs> so, Pastor Michael, $35,000 a year per kid. Is that what you're paying to do Christian education with your children? No, no. Oh, and, weird. I mean, we, oh, we started to do a lot of homeschooling before um, before we, when we were technically, uh, below the poverty line, you know, as far as, you know, uh, a lot of statistics go. So I, I know that you can do this on a budget, um, especially wow. with the access we now have online to so much material. Um, a lot of people, I think just have this idea. We have, we have like in so many other, you know, industries, we have, um, created this idea that there's an expert class that can do this properly and no one else can do it. I think it is in some ways, I don't know if I'd say it's for sure ideal because like we've talked about in the other video, I think that um, different there are different ways to apply um, what the different methods of education for different students in different situations. Um, I think there are different ways to do this. So I wouldn't say this is the only way to do it. I think there's a lot of good in the idea of well-trained people in their field training the next generation, right? So somebody who's really good at math and teaching math is better, is going to do a better job at doing it than I would. Okay. Yeah. I think that that can be a huge benefit for a lot of people. Um, that being said, most people that teach in schools today have education degrees. Oh. Um, they're oh. not actually experts in anything. And so oh. they're not people that like, they don't have that benefit. Um, and God bless you if you have an education degree. I know we've talked about this in our patrons group. There, It is true that there are certain things, certain principles of education um, that can teach you things that you might not otherwise have and can make you a better teacher. I, I don't like think that all education theory is like a horrible thing or evil or anything like that. Um, I'm making pretty, you know, broad brush attacks. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no benefit in some of these sure. things, but but just generally speaking, you don't have math experts teaching math, 
science experts teaching science. You don't have people like that. You have people who uh, have been trained in a very general way mm. um, to teach in general, teaching all kinds of different things. But um, part of this, part of the problem is, is that it's kind of like, well, this is for the expert class. Part of the problem is also that your view of education probably needs to change depending on your situation where, again, we, I think we covered this in the first video that you can, the, the most important thing when you're enculturating your child, when you're educating your child in the way that we've talked about um, is that they grow to know and love Christ. That's Amen. most important. Okay. Um, to do that well, I think it's important that they learn about his world, that they learn how to read, that they they learn how to interact with other people. There, there's so many different things that they can learn to do that well. Um, but it does not take a massive amount of resources to do that. Right. It does not take – you don't have to spend Unless a massive amount of money. That's a consumer mindset, by the way. Well, if I just spend more money, it makes it better. Unless it's You have a little more freedom when you have more wealth. But you are not you are not uh, confined to not learn anything if you don't have thirty five thousand dollars a year. That's wild. That does sound like probably what the government schools spend per child. Yes, right. But they do crazy things with that money, right? If I had thirty five thousand dollars a year per child in my house, do you know what I could do? I mean, right. number one, we'd be living large. I mean, we would be living large, but we could do so much with that money. Yes. It would be unbelievable. And, and if Jonathan Pennington, who no, who nodded along when she said that, was paying that for his children, I have got to get a job at the Southern Baptist because <laughs> the skrill they are paying is unreal, my friends. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. It really I, is crazy. This, this is it's just mind blowing to me when we think about cost, right? I could say I could do this with everything. Kids deserve to eat. Like, guess what? Pastor Michael and my children, they live on different food budgets. There are people here in town who have much bigger food budgets than me. There are people in town that have less food budgets. Like, I, I my children, and, and, and again, food is even different than education because food is a survival thing, right? And this is why there are deacons who step in. There are, you know, we do have yes. government programs that step in. If you are so far below the poverty line, you cannot eat. Your children won't eat. There are there are many, many people who want to help you with that, including individual Christians. And this is maybe one of the, the other parts about this that makes, you know, this idea there is no other solution to these problems than the government schools, right? He asks this totally realistic question. Yeah. Is it realistic for a single mom? Again, use I as we brought up in the first time, I use the single mom test to decide if something's a Christian duty. Could a single mom do all the things you're saying a Christian parent needs to do to be the good Christian parent in government schools? And the answer is manifestly no, she cannot. Yeah, of course not. She also can't homeschool, which is why I said those aren't a Christian duty. But that's because I am not giving these terrible answers in this debate right now right we're not saying that there's this one way this one method that you really need to use it's it is the best method or or something like that there are different ways to apply the mandate to educate your children uh, but she can't do it she can't be in the classroom and so he's saying wouldn't it be better than for her to get to send them to a christian school and this woman says there's no possible way she could ever afford that now churches we need to step up and need to yes. help we need to make 
education, realistic for for people who can't afford $35,000 a year per kid, which is, I would guess, 99% of our listeners, in us included, um, and 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 accept the providence where God has put us with our children. Because guess what? Pastor Michael and I both homeschool, and here is the, the uh, hard truth. One of our wives is better at homeschooling than the other, just because it's a thing. Like, that's how the world works, right? And I... And I like, this is just how things work. Yeah. Some people are going to do better than others. And it's not bad, by the way, if your child turns out more like you, maybe in your family, like you, you have a lot more trouble with math. It's not the worst thing in the world. If your child turns out like you in that way, it's not now, obviously you want to give them the best education you can um, in all of these different areas. And I think that's awesome. And, and praise God for it. That's a good goal. And to try to get your children to be better educated than you. I think that's a righteous and good thing to try to that do. You right? can to, afford, that you have yes. the to do. All of those things. Yes. 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 But don't let the, you know, don't let the the perfect destroy any possibility of the good, right? It, well, if I can't do it perfectly, I might as well give up. There's no way of me doing this. If I can't spend $35,000, there's no chance for me. You- um, in our church, by the way, we have, we've just, this past year, we just realized We've got a lot of the majority of people in our church homeschool. Not everybody. We have people that use all different forms of education, uh, but the majority homeschool and the majority have tons of homeschool resources that they don't really have anything to do with anymore. And so we started a place in our library, our church library, where people can donate any old curriculum that they've used and people can then go. And if they need curriculum, they look and they can just take it. They can just have it. And if it gets wrecked, that's okay because it's just being donated. Uh, and we started that in part because when we were starting to get into homeschooling, we had so many people that gave us so many resources. And we still, I mean, we have so many resources um, that we did not pay for that have allowed us to do things that would have been harder for us to do on the budget that we've had at different times um, because people were generous, because God's people are generous. And um, you probably know people that have these sorts of things. And again, like I said, there's tons of resources online. Uh, there, there's so much available to you. Now, homeschooling might not be the option. Maybe yep. public school is the best option for you. That is a possibility. I, I yep. think that's a, I think it is rare today that that would be the best option. I really do. I think it's rare. I'm not going to sit here and say it can never be an option. And if you ever use that option, it's wicked of you or anything like that. Um, that it, it is possible that it is a fine option for you. Um, but what we're hearing here about the challenges of it, or even then the extremes of it, these are not things that cannot be overcome. They are things that can be overcome, but it may take a little extra work on your part. The reality is that a lot of things have been set in place, whether it be um, different, you know, depending on where you live too, but uh, uh, throughout a lot of the U.S., um, financially, uh, because of different regulations and things like that, it may be hard for you to do some of these other things. It may be hard for you to choose another option, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth doing in the long run. It doesn't mean that it's not the best option for you. It just may take a little more work for you. Yes. Like, likely the big sacrifice you're making if you're going to do any other kind of education is the potential sacrifice of the second income you live on, right? That's the really expensive thing you're going to do because you can homeschool kids, have them in a co-op. We're talking for one-tenth of the cost that she said Christian private school costs, right? Um, 
Pastor Michael, can we take a two-minute trip to Conspiracy Corner about yep. this? Either? Um, <laughs> I'd so love I, to. Because I was thinking about this, and I'm like, man, where did we get this idea that, like, because there's no other thing in my, in our lives that we go, the cost of it should not matter at all, right? Is it possible we have gotten this, this, this destructive mindset from Sally May and those bad, bad people there that have taught people go to college, spend whatever you like, spend all the money in the world because it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Education is not a thing you should ever consider affordability about. Mm. Right. And so I, it's this idea of I'm either paying thirty five thousand dollars or I'm going to the government school, which is going to be even more expensive because it's getting property uh inflows from every single person in the country right it is if we're worried about cost it is the most expensive way to educate a child yes in history right right um and so it's just this we've gotten this weird very like this very strange mindset about money and education that there are at if it's not a, a direct conspiracy there are same large banks and lenders who are incredibly profitable because this mindset has come into existence mm. here in the country. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much of a conspiracy it is, but it shows the lack of education amongst <laughs> a lot of people, right? Like if you teach your kids how to handle money well and not go into crazy amounts of debt, guess what? You just educated your child in financial wisdom or at least a piece of financial wisdom. That is a good in its own right. Okay, that's a fine thing to learn that um, by and large, you don't learn at most schools, public or Christian. And so if you want to, you know, if you want to keep your kids home, teach them how to read, teach them to be good with money. Guess what? You just did a great job. Yes. And maybe there are things you're going to miss out on, but that's okay. Right. Again, don't let the perfect destroy any possibility of the good. Think about what could actually be a, a really good outcome for your child. And then move from that position rather than thinking, well, what's easiest for me? What makes it, it simplest for me? What takes the least effort on my part? Uh, don't, don't start there. Start with what you actually want for your child. And I think by and large, most people will come to the realization that to get to that point, I cannot do what has become the traditional way of doing education today. Yeah. Whatever you do, whatever you yeah. do, whether it includes the government schools or not, you can't do what we're doing. What we're doing isn't working and it isn't Christian. And that's what we're the mandate we're given as Christians. Right. She also kept making this appeal. And then we'll go back to this. I'm sorry. We just we've teed off on this. This answer, like I said, was was a multi stack of bad answers and assumptions built on each other. <laughs> it was. It right? was what we really need to do for those single moms other than seek to help them seek to ask, how can you give them a Christian education, given the constraints God has given you for whatever reason? How can we come alongside you? What are all the the what are all the things we'd have to do to make that happen? Instead, the best thing we can do is send our kids to the public schools to make sure we're invested in that, right? Because you know, this idea that we can't just be concerned about con educating our own kids, we have to be concerned about educating everyone else's kids. Do you under I just don't understand why this block exists in this conversation? Me educating my own children in a way that seems best does not negate my, the fact that I desire 
to help other people educate their children or help children in need? What I don't know why these things have to be connected, right? Yeah, well, I'm it's a false, it's it's for sure a false dichotomy. I think um, that now I don't know that you know this woman is necessarily thinking this way. I forgot her name, by the way. I said this woman is it Jen Wilkin. Jen Wilkin, um, shout out to you. I'm sure. Yes. We have a <laughs> Sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, so, uh, what I would say to that is it is a good and noble desire that you don't just be focused insularly on just me and my kids, but to think broadly, Hey, is there a way that I can benefit other people's children too? That's a good thing. Um, to think of the public good is a good, your primary duty is the education of your children. And I think that if you neglect or give up on the the best education that you can give to your children because you want something that is less good but would apply to more people um i don't think that's a good right, right. so i think that god has god has put us in a position as fathers as mothers um to to look out for the best interests of our children above and beyond other children not in a way that says we don't want the good of other children but in the way that says these are the ones that god put in my charge and my primary duty is their good, right? This is why God, as a father, can tell uh, the people of Israel, I will give up people in exchange for you, right? Isaiah 43. God, as the, the father of his people, will gladly um, give to his people better than what he gives to others. That's not to say that God doesn't have a general care and love for all peoples. He does. Um, but that love and care is primarily shown through his people, right? And so even thinking about the common good, the common good for um, this culture will be met much better by well, my children being well-educated. And by, uh, when I say educated, I don't just mean knowing facts. I mean that whole idea of paideia, right? Be, being enculturated into true wisdom and true Christ-like behavior. Uh, the common good will be more benefited by that than that my kids are engaging in some kind of public education that makes it more available to others. Yeah. Now, I think what the reason they think it makes it more available is because I do think that especially in more progressive circles, they see the massive exodus of people from public schools and they recognize that at some point what that's going to lead to is less and less money for the public school system. Right. Now, the public school system, by the way, has more money today than it has ever had. Right. It does not have less money today. Um, now they may, uh, feel like they have less money because they have far more administration. They have far more, you know, there, there's a lot of things that money is put toward. That's not just teaching kids. Oh. And so teachers on, on individual levels may feel like, man, my classroom is not well-funded. That's not because there's not enough money around. That is because of the management of that money. But if you have mismanaged the money, you've mismanaged the education, you've filled it with all kinds of propaganda, you've you've gotten rid of any kind of Christian prerogatives from the schools, I don't care for you to have more money. I want my kids to be educated as Christians by Christians. And I also want that for you. <laughs> you know, I want that for everybody, uh, but I'm going to do what I can for them first. And so I don't, I don't care actually. Um, that you do this. And like I've said before, when you look at the actual learning outcomes, right, the the actual good that this is giving to those who go through the, the government education system, 
it is not good. It is objectively not good. Right. Not, not just the culture and the learning outcomes are not good. Many people would be better off if they did not go to these places, even if they had no other education and all they could do is like go work somewhere, they would be better off. If, if they just had to go and work somewhere, even as a child, they would be better off. I, I hate, I hate that people are going to think I'm an extremist now for saying that you are, <laughs> but no, it's true. It is just, it is objectively true that this is the case. Look at the learning outcomes. I'm not talking about Jen Wilkin, Wil, Wilkins, evidently like super wealthy school district that she has the ability to be involved in every level, right? Like that's not normal people. Okay. Right. Normal people don't have that kind of money. They don't. And right. so it, like normal people can't be engaged in that way. And in that case, you know what? It would be better if you went with your dad to work and learned a trade and learned how to read in the evenings by your parents. If you just got that, you would be so much better off than most people going through the public government education system. If if lighting more of my money on fire would actually give children in this country a better education, of course, I'd be willing to do it. But you know what? The the Messiah of American education has more of my money than ever. And it's that the the God is still not answering. He's still He's not. Right. There. He's still not <laughs> fixing things. Um but again, this this idea of should I educate my children first in preference to others? Well, Paul said, if a man doesn't provide for his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever. So That's I right. guess solve the answer. We, but and here's the, the even crazier thing I realized as Pastor Michael was talking. If you are a person talking about education in this way and you're like, this is what we have to do to fix education for others. Not only do I not think you have considered education for your own children appropriately. I don't know if you've considered it. For everyone at all, <laughs> right? it with that mindset, like it, it is an uneducated <laughs> way to think about this. Uh, but can I just say one more? So, yeah. uh, well, no, I we we should just go on. We, we should just cheat off on. on this sucker. For, I know, I know, we have so much more to go. So, both of you have obviously given freedom to make other decisions. You've talked about the variety of factors. You live in a world-class school district. You have a family situation that is conducive for the educational choices that you've chosen. What would be factors, if you were to do it again, that would have caused you to make the opposite decision? Oh, it's a good question. That's a great question. It's a good question. Uh, I've asked great. this having, you know, I have family living in all, all different areas of the country and they face very different considerations in this. As I mentioned, the education piece for us was not hard question to answer. If I thought they would not actually be able to receive an education in the public schools, then I would absolutely have done what I could to homeschool. Um, I don't know that I would have gone the Christian school route because of the baggage I had around it at the point that my children were of education age. Um, who knows if there would have been a homicide if I had actually homeschooled my kids. Well, the world will never know. But um, but I do know that there are. Hey, um, can I just say, Pastor Michael, am I allowed to say something or should I not? Of say course. It? Of course, man. Okay. Come on. If I got myself in trouble this time for being an extremist, you got to say something. <laughs> if you are sending your kids and you kind of joke about, ha ha, I might have killed them if they stayed home. That's you're making this more a, a you problem. <laughs> yeah. right? like, I don't know if I could have done this. 
because I might have killed one of these monsters at home. <laughs> like, that's just, it's just not a good look. I, it's not a Public good. school situations that are untenable to put your children into. And I would still say, I would have hoped we, I, I imagine we would have still tried to support wow. public schools. I hope okay. we would have okay. convictionally, okay. even if we couldn't put our own children in them. It's interesting. Some of the, the teachers that DM'd me in the, in the Instagram story situation, uh, several of them said, I couldn't put my own children in, but I'm teaching in the school system because I want it to be better totally for my great. neighbors. Awesome. Totally uh, I hope that would have been a position that I could have uh, maintained if we had found ourselves living somewhere where public school was not an option. But that, I mean, don't you feel the dilemma of that though? Yeah. I mean, I, and again, I respect that as well, but I mean, it seems like that kind of undercuts the vision, like in the sense of, um, if you wouldn't put your own kids in it, how can you be engaged in a positive way still? I guess that's that's one way to frame oh, the question. There are lots of ways. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, Please, I think that's yeah. a really good practical question. Yeah. 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 That, mm -hmm. I think there are lots of ways. You can still go to school board meetings. You can still volunteer in the public you schools. You should, There's by mentoring the way, programs. You can be supportive yeah. of the teachers who are in the trenches. When you think about what public school teachers represent in this country, they're often the they're on the front lines of you know uh, when a child reports, they're the first re they their mandatory report on all the uh, CPS concerns. Um, the function that they perform in our society is valuable, and for them to be unsupported is unthinkable to me. And so, even if my own children were not able to be in that education space, I would want to do everything within my power to support it and improve it. Because, you know, there have been a lot of studies done on the impact on a school of, if there are just even two involved adults um, who will take interest in what's happening, who are not on staff, and the impact that that has on a public school and a community. And so um, it just feels like a really easy uh, local missions effort that's right in front of us all the time. All right. You have to answer the same question. Okay. So good question to both of them moderator good follow-up question yep. from jonathan penitin who is obviously much nicer and much more put together than we are <laughs> um I, I don't know i i he, he, maybe i'm wrong i'm not getting the vibes that um the public school administration would love it if a ton of christian parents showed up and said we're here to really make sure things are going well here at the public school yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think, and I could be wrong, right? Like I you said, and it could, like public education is really varied in the sense that there are a lot of different teachers in a lot of different schools. There's so many schools, so many teachers, like there's going to be differences in administration. There's, there are a lot of good folks out there and God bless you guys who are doing that. We do. We love you. We love that you're doing that. Um, uh, I, I would say that like her response there is all pretty good. I think it'd be great if a bunch of us got involved on like the school boards and more involved in what's going on in the schools, by the way, even if you don't send your kids to the public schools, guess what you're paying. If you're a property owner, you're paying taxes for this public school uh, and for the public school in right. your area. So um, just find out what district you're a part of. And I think it'd be, I've not found a way to do this yet, but I do hope at some point in my life to try to be more actively involved on that level. Um, because, by the way, I do actually care about the greater good. Um, I do actually care about the the good of others. And so I want to take part in that if I can. Right. It's it's not my first priority uh, because I care more about my household than I care about other households. 
doesn't doesn't have to mean I don't care about other households. I just I, my priorities are what God has most immediately given me in my wife and my children, and so I'm going to start there, um, and then in my church, right? So that that's where I start. And if I can do more beyond that, I want to try to do that. Uh, but but none of that has anything to do with whether or not this is how you send your kids to be trained. That's the difference. That's that's the uh, problem. But so, what a good recommendation. Guys, get, yeah, get involved if you can. That would be awesome. Yes, that is completely, uh, that is just totally the answer, right? Man, it's so fascinating this, you know, even the idea that like, man, if only two uh, parents were involved in these public schools, how big of a difference that would make, um, which tells me all the things we were talked about, the thing, like they're just not happening. The things that she's described is what need to happen aren't happening. And again, as we have said many times, viewing this as a mission field, going to public, being a teacher in a public school, going to PTA meetings, being an involved parent, those are all completely different than how you educate your children, right? And that's, and all of those are good things. They're just not relevant to how I educate my own, like the decision you make for your own children, right? Yes. All right, so let's hear his answer. What would have caused him to change his mind? Yeah, so the question again being like, what would... If it, what would be, if you went back, what would be circumstances in which you could imagine yourself sending your children to public school? Yeah, I mean, the financial part has been difficult for us. It really has. And and homeschooling made that, you know, easier. Even though there's costs in that involved in terms of buying your own curriculum and we're still paying taxes, you know, and everything. But yeah, private school has been has been a challenge on the financial side. So I really feel that, and I'm aware that most people do that. So if that that makes me, um, you know, have some pause at moments, like was this the best thing to go? Kind of feels like backwards financially for 15 years or 20 years. Um, but I think for us, the the public education system where we've been in for the last 18 years, I would not be comfortable. Uh, putting our kids in for a number of reasons. The same and, place they talk, and about it feels like it's worse. All the time. You know, I don't know if we're just getting older, but no, it, it feels think, like yeah. I mean, it, the social risk is a component as well yeah. to be addressed. I mean, like our kids are, you know, eighteen to thirty kind of thing. But you think if I had a and people ask me this all the time too. I had a pastor text me the other day. You know, we have a, you know, whatever it is, kindergartner and and below, and we want to be a good witness. We want to be engaged in society, but I'm really concerned. And, and I had to say, it does seem that many of the things going on, not everything you hear is true, but many of the things going on in public education in terms of some moral issues feel more extreme than they did even when our kids were little. Um, I don't think that's just um, in our minds. I think it, there have been social changes in a significant way. And, and so clearly, I, I think, for us, but I guess yeah. I need to answer your question. Sorry. Um, I think I would, I think the money, um, if we would have had a better, more comfortable public education system, maybe in a smaller town or something where I was more involved, could have been more involved. Um, I think the financial combination with that would have made us more open to, to public schooling. Although when the kids were really little, homeschooling was so great because, um, our life was more integrated. Like we weren't controlled by a, a schedule outside of ourselves in terms of trips. And and then yours are probably this way too. I mean, our older kids were very young readers. You know, they were reading at four, et cetera, because we worked with them. 
And it felt like there was a lot of wasted time in any kind of schooling system, I mean, Christian or public in those early years, especially. And it was really just a sweet time to be with them and, and uh, really shape them. And, and with a lot of freedom that we had uh, to just do our own thing, you know, maybe that sounds selfish or something, but it was, it was really a wonderful time. And so I, I would not want to give that up, you know, um, but yeah. It is interesting. So overall, uh, again, right. What a, what a nice part of the thing that's nice about his answer is just talking about how good it is, right. Like him just saying like, it was so yeah. good to, to do these things. Um, I do. I am glad, even though he's doing it very softly, pushing back on this idea of like, I mean, is it is it is worse now? <laughs> like, it is just un. That's that shouldn't be controversial at all. Um, yeah, again, and, just objectively true on both yeah. culture and learning outcomes. Both both of what I said, right? On both of those levels, things are worse off now. Yep. Yeah, and I just think that, um, oh, man, what was I going to say? Am, am I losing it? He was. Um, Oh yeah, and he talked about the biggest the biggest factor that would have potentially required him to change his mind would have been cost associated with it because if he right if he worked, you know, if he worked a much if he didn't make the insane amounts of money you can make at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, <laughs> he may have had to rethink uh the decisions he made. Um do you want to add anything or should we keep trying to No, that's good. Let's let's thing? let's keep pushing. Um I'm sure I have lots of thoughts at the end. <laughs> 10 minutes left, everybody. Interesting, neither of you mentioned safety. And so with the public school shootings that we read about, is, is, that, a, is that a factor in the decision at all? Well, that was all on the table already for my kids. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think part of this conversation, and this relates to the fear-based decision, is to to have an assumption that there's such an such a thing as a safe place to raise your kids. There are always dangers and there are always benefits. There's always a risk and always a reward. And if we perceive only reward, then we probably haven't thought about it enough. And if we perceive only risk, then we probably haven't thought about it enough. And we we understood the the risks and the rewards of where we were placing our kids in our community at the time that they were going through as far as, as to the best of our ability. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, you give a 16 year old a car to drive, you know, and it's risky. So I think, um, things like gun violence where it's, you know, I, I can't control that. Um, but then there were all of these other risks that were associated with, you know, like, uh, the kids who were in some of the Christian schools in the area, where um, the kids that actually had a terrible traumatic thing happen in public school ended up going into that space. And then, you know, you have a peer group of your whole class size is 20 people. And so if it's toxic, there's nowhere to go, you know, whereas in the public school, you know, if your peer group is terrible, you can find another one because you're graduating with a class of a thousand students in our, in our case. And so, um, you know, there are risks to being in a bigger school. There are also rewards. There are risks to being in, in a Christian school. There are also rewards. Uh, homeschool situation. You know, I know Jonathan would never say that every homeschool scenario is ideal in the same way that I would not, you know, it's, you know, in some cases it's like, wow, that's really terrible. Someone should intervene, you know, but there's not eyes on the situation in the way that there are in other settings. And so, um, 
again, it, so much of it comes down to not where are you going to educate your kids, but what kind of a parent are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be a parent who is um, vigilant in the best ways and then open-handed in all of the best ways too? And so risk is always going to be something that you have to weigh and people reach different conclusions, which is why we have this conversation yeah. today. Um, but we all, I, you know, we all want to be motivated out of love and not fear, um, love for our children, but also with an eye toward what can go wrong. Sure. Do you have anything to say on that? All right. My name. Yeah. I don't, I just agree. I'm not super interested in this answer overall. Uh, what do you, what you have any, uh, thoughts, any cares about this idea, the, the safety, the safety angle the you know the well, thousand guess, members right, yeah. in class that we all that we all graduated with uh in our public schools <laughs> right yeah so obviously that's different and it shows again like this answer has to be varied because just because your public school was good or it had these benefits it's very different from many others you just don't know um it, you this is why you got to take each one on a case-by-case -case basis here's what i'll say about safety though i know that the big things that are in the news are like you know big shootings or those sorts of things and obviously that's a. I mean at this point in our culture that's just something that is i i don't think it should be a concern that like frightens us because it's it really is still statistically anomalous um, but it is something that right. shows a bit of the breakdown in culture in general um and so there are elements that that should be you know a, a kind of concern i would be far more worried about though um, the danger of just in general, the, the fighting um, gangs, the, the just complete lawlessness in public schools. Um, that is a that is a massively growing problem. I've talked to a lot of public educators even who like talk about just how difficult it's getting because there's no discipline at home. Kids come to the schools and they do whatever they want. And especially as schools try to focus less on disciplinary action and more on like you know, remedial things. Um, there's just, there's never anybody telling somebody you cannot do that. And so their fights break out all the time. Those sorts of things are happening more and more. Again, depends on where you're at, but it is happening more and more statistically. Number two, um, the possibility of sexual abuse, whether from peers or from teachers is extremely high in the, the public school setting. It's extremely high. Um, that the teacher to student sexual abuse um, in public schools is statistically, I mean, it's not like, you know, 50%, but it's statistically far higher than almost any other institution in the country. Um, and, and in part, that just makes sense, right? Because the most people are there, you're with those people the most often, right there, you're in a lot of settings where, you know, it's you and them alone in a room, those sorts of things. Um, but that's something that should be a concern, I think, that especially with the continued breakdown of any kind of, of consistent cultural morality built around scripture, you're going to have more and more of that. With the continued growth in use of pornography at younger and younger ages, um, with, like this is just, there's going to be a continued growth in just the sexual chaos and sexual breakdown all around us. Um, and that is evident within the public schools if you look at the, the actual statistics of of sexual abuse in the school. So um, I would I would think more so that being the concern um, safety wise than something like a, a school shooting. Yep, and I would agree. Yeah, the, and, and bad stuff happens in Christian schools as well. And, and 
in homeschooling situations, bad things happen too. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. If I might pivot a little bit, just one of the things I was thinking more about when we enjoyed homeschooling, which we did stop doing because it did become untenable with our 300 children, it felt like, and, uh, and various things. But it, one of the things that I did love about it as well is that it enabled us to truly focus on each child's development in a distinct way. And I feel the tension because I do believe in the common good, public education, all the things we agree with. But it was also really wonderful to be able to identify gifts and talents in not just a cookie cutter way and to really help children develop. So our fifth kid, for example, you know, most kids draw uh, a lot, but we could tell there was something different about his ability. My mom was a painter. My wife's a professional artist as well. So he kind of got the double gene of it, I think. And we were able from a young age to start giving him private art lessons. And now he's, you know, going into oil painting portraiture, you know, and this high end kind of thing that could not have happened in a, in a public education system, just in the sense of like, it would be one class of many and, or it would be some super extracurricular thing that would just add to the stress of life. And so that's one of the things that we really loved about, about the kind of the ability to focus on the development of each individual child, not in a kind of cookie cutter way. I feel the tension again of that versus the common good and, and that, but just was coming to mind as I was Why? reflecting back on those early years of homeschooling and oh, how much we enjoyed it. And several, all of our kids are musicians and they were able to spend a lot of time practicing their instruments. Our one thing is that our 16 year olds, once they got that, we were, our deal was you need to start working a job. And for those that were doing like two day week school, which they were at that time, they worked uh, jobs. And that was a way that they were certainly connected to the broader world and exposed. And actually they worked quite a bit and saved a lot of money for college. The older kids did because they had the freedom in their schedule to go to school and get their schoolwork done. They did all their schoolwork, but actually work in the workplace. So that, that was a, a really nice situation for them that developed and a lot of bad stuff happened. You know, they worked at McDonald's and McAllister's and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in terms of like, I mean, Your they learned. cholesterol went up yeah. and that socialization <laughs> went through the roof. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was crazy. But again, th those are just some of the ways that I would also. All right. So what I want to do is I, again, Jonathan Pennington, we, we do love you. And I just want to point out how different an answer he given the the educational choices he's making that he's able to give she's like well you know in a, if you've got a school of a thousand people if there's these bad things right think about how think about if they're in a in a horrible class of 20 horrible christian kids right like think you know she's talking she's having to talk about that he's like wow you know he's asked about safety and he's like do you know how great it was our child who loved um oil painting to just be able to really work with them on that like isn't that beautiful like like yeah. one of these just sounds like oh wow that's cool that just does sounds sound better <laughs> like yeah, aesthetically like, it's better even just the idea hey they could get their schoolwork done in such a little bit of time and then they could also go work and they could also do these other things um that is just true by the way there's there's a massive amount of wasted time in uh, most industrial education right because it is cookie cutter it's assembly line education. You do the same thing for everybody. And what that does is it wastes a whole lot of time. Um, there's a lot of just excess time too, right? Moving between class to class, going like all of this extra busy work that teachers give because they have to have someone because there's not a deep personal relational connection that you can have with all thousand students. You have to 
like you have to have a way of judging whether or not somebody's learning that has no relational dynamic to it. Um, whereas if you can actually have that per interpersonal relational dynamic where you can actually see whether they're they're learning the things, um, you don't have to have near as much of the the busy work that you do in an industrialized education. So um, yeah, it just it sounds wonderful, right? It just sounds sounds wonderful. And if you want to give your kids an education that literally may let them own the future, give them a work ethic yeah. from early in life, right? That they will own the future, baby. If if that's yep. that's what you want. So, anyways, I just I just find it so funny. One of them is talking about safety and and peer groups, and the other is talking about helping their child develop their love for oil painting. Right? Just 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 different. So argue for the good of. But if like, you have the I, choice, which most I, people, there many people don't, but if you have the choice, the ways that you can really develop individual children to be grading on me, who God's called them to be, and then to use those particular gifts and abilities to bless the world. You know, that's how the vision we imperfectly, you know, tried to cast for them. So, so he, brought, I don't know if you want to respond. He brought up um, focusing on developing certain talents and working. Do you want to respond to that? Yeah. Anti-extracurricular person. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like we were able to do that as well. I think when you see that a child has a has a has a skill or a talent that mm -hmm. is an outlier. Now the problem is, is like organized sports is telling every parent that their child has a skill that's an outlier, or whatever it is. But um, again, we had a ton of time together. You know, we have a we have a, a pianist in the family who's who's really, really good. You know, we have a, um, a child who's fluent in Spanish. Um, so I don't think it's off the table to do that. Again, it's what, it's how present are you, um, in, in the life of your child. And then for us, it was like, I, I the, the job thing is interesting to me because, um, we really did not pressure the kids. I'm not saying you pressured your kids, right. but we didn't press no, we did. our kids <laughs> toward you need to go get a job. Yeah because they would come home, especially in high school, they would come home from school and they spent every minute from the time they got home until they went to bed doing schoolwork. Now, a lot of times that was us involved Waste, in that. Wasted time. You know, um, but um, there is a time element. There is, that is oh. something that is a, is a trade in this um, that isn't mitigated entirely. Yeah, there's a lot of wasted time sure. in school. I mean, in Christian schools too. I mean, in, in any mm -hmm. kind of formal education, mm -hmm. it seems like there's a lot of wasted time. There's a lot of time spent in classroom management mm -hmm. that is not about education, et cetera. And, you know, again, I feel the tension of the goods that come from it. But if you're talking from a purely educational standpoint, I don't know, especially <laughs> at the younger years, there's a lot, a lot you can do. Like our kids, it, one of the things we saw with our older kids is that because they were originally homeschooled and then two day week consortium kind of situation, they were so ready for college because they had learned to be independent learners. Mm. Like they learned they needed to get their work done. They needed to manage their schedules and they were able to work jobs as they did it. So it does, it felt like it really helped them enter into adulthood. Yeah. And, and like when they got to college, they were used to managing their time and they're used to working jobs and doing all that stuff. Yes. So I'm not saying that's the only way it can happen, but for us, that was a, that worked well for training them in kind of adult skills and adult work-life balance. And that, yeah. I think. Yeah. Wow. Sounds this, awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, so here's going to be my confession. Uh, I got okay. I got fine grades in high school, in public high school. I worked every night at a subway. Now, was that better experience? I, I'm not saying it was, but 
that um that idea that you should be doing homework that way, as Pastor Michael piped in, what a waste. What a so much waste. What a useless, pointless thing that yep. and on an, gonna... again on an objective level. I'm not just saying that because I'm like I hate public education. I've said it already. It may be the best option for you. But yeah, well, I do hate public education <laughs> currently. <laughs> so that's kind of a it'd be a lie if I said I didn't. But um, like it may be your best option because it's just the world we live in is not a, a world where we get to do the ideal all the time. And that's OK. I don't even think you have to feel bad about that. Um, but on just on a strictly objective level, we know that a child does not have better learning outcomes just because they spend their entire evening doing homework. We know that that's not the case. It is obvious. It is a clear fact, an objective fact that you can see and that is borne out with every child that doesn't do that. And does just fine, right? So, so yes. that doesn't make you any better, which means that it is just a waste of your time. And, and at least this high school student was able to be an honor roll student without ever, like, I did not do minutes. I did minutes of homework and I was doing it like in the periods between classes. Yes. Right. My senior, my senior year of high school, I, I went to a Christian school, but it was not, you know, a classical school. It was not uh, a school where I would say it was like the kind of education that I want to give my children. It wasn't the same, right? It was good. It was good. I don't want to bash it at all. God bless the people there really benefited from it. I want to give my kids a little bit of a different style of education um, because I have a different philosophy on how to educate them. But uh, my senior year, I did not want, not once, <laughs> Did I ever bring any homework home? Not one. I did it all during study halls or those sorts of things while at school. Um, and that was great. That was awesome. And I, by the way, because of that, I was able to go home after school and I would listen to hours of Tim Keller and Mark Driscoll and free seminary lectures from RTS and things like that. So I benefited greatly from not having to do that. Dude, if I would have brought my homework home, my mom would have made me do it, man. What are you thinking? <laughs> Get your I, heads in the game, guys. Get I was not an honor student, by the way. I get your heads in the game. Uh, no, I just uh man, there are literally school systems, not in the American one, um, that literally they have homework designed as busy work so that parents have a free babysitter called worksheets. I I, I have I have been in many countries with education systems around the world, and that is a known and celebrated practice right mm. that's not what and i'm not saying that's what's happening in america i don't think it is but the idea that 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 is just that is just a part of what some education systems do so all right let's keep going i just i just couldn't uh couldn't wait to get off couldn't my chest that. me wanting to talk about being a sandwich artist instead of doing homework <laughs> i view what you what you're calling wasted time as um time to study human nature because oh. you get out into the workplace and guess what that's what you're dealing with a lot, yeah, a lot of you know, it's like here. the never-ending group project yeah, and so right. i would say that what our kids learned was was that whole scenario of like oh i'm gonna do pretty much the whole group project because that's you right. don't i don't care. know how hard I... uh, there were a lot of kids who did not care about their educational environment and didn't have parents who were going to help them to care and so again there were a lot of really helpful counterpoints and my kids transition pretty seamlessly from a large high school to a, you know, to a university of 50,000 undergraduates. And, um, they had all the skills they needed from a study skills perspective to get through it. Um, 
so I do think, again, I think it goes back to what kind of a parent do you intend to be? Um, children can, can learn, children can learn virtue, uh, either through a, a formalized, um, presentation of it in their education sphere, or they can learn it through the way that they're interacting with one another at home, through parents who are thinking toward that. Um, so yeah. Man. Okay. So good point, Jen. People can learn things through different methods. What a, like, and, and it must mean the method you use for education to prepare someone for the real world. It's like, there are a lot of different methods that can work, right? Like you can not do homework and make sandwiches at night and go to a, a, a large university and do okay. And then go to seminary and whatever. But man, dude, the idea, well, this is, you need to do this to study human nature. Man, I'll just tell you what I, the kinds of studying of human nature I did at a public high school, I wish I was not doing, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a, it is just, no, nah, like you don't, it's, it's just maddening to think like, well, be swallowed up in a round sin and involved in it. You got to learn someday. Yep. Just throw you in. Is throw that you how you got to learn? Yeah, it's not the best way to learn. So I want to encourage people, by the way, um, that, you know, if you can't be a part of what you think is the ideal way to educate your kids or something like that, what I will say, and what I think even Jen Wilkins' own story um, in some ways, you know, speaks to uh, however you educate your kids. I I think I first heard this um, from Pastor Tim Bailey and uh, it just stuck with me and it's I just think it's borne out. And in my experience and in what I see in other people, this seems to be the case. Uh, Your children, no matter how you educate them, your children are going to turn out like you by and large. Mm. Um, And so the kind of life that you live, the kind of values that you actually, and and virtues that you uh, live according to, the kind of life that you live is what is going to be instilled most in your children. It's yep. going to be the primary way that they learn in following you and living like you. And so the most important thing is that you be a faithful, consistent follower of Christ. If you want your kids to be readers, we know, again, we know that kids who read the most, read the most because their parents read the most. Yep. That's across the board. That is the case. Obviously there's, you know, there's um, people sure. that make that rule, but as a rule of thumb, that is the case. Kids who like are really into particular subjects, often it's because their parents um, were were somehow involved in that. Your kids will likely turn out like you. It's, and that might be scary to you, uh, but that's that's generally the case. And so shipping them off to any kind of or keeping them home for a particular outcome that isn't already true of you, uh, is pr- it's probably just not going to work for you. That's That's not going to give the outcome that you think it will. Isn't it just good news? I mean, it's both terrible. That's both a terrifying statement, but also good news that like it's God made children to learn and they do. Yes. Right. Like, like when I'm talking about me working as a sandwich artist, I'm talking about me as a, like, I did my best to blow the educational opportunities before me. And God still was able to teach and, and form me in ways, right? Not, not the best way, not the ideal way. But right, it 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 should. There is an encouragement there. There's also, as a parent now, I'm like, oh dang, man. Like, if I've got a son and he's 16 making sandwiches at night, I'm like, oh man, 
that is it, it's like <laughs> this is we gotta i gotta i've gotta make some big changes because the, the 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 things going on uh not sandwich artists love to have you on the show i i as a fellow one for <laughs> almost a decade uh you know no shade to you but the things it said about me were not were not commendable but but yeah i, I think there's a lot of there's good news god made kids to learn and no matter what method you're using right this is why i'm critiquing this so hard because i want i just want everyone listening to make their decisions for educating their children out of the mindset the bible gives us to make them I am not here for one method or not, right? Pastor Michael and I don't use the same method. We don't attend churches where everyone does the same method. That's not my goal. My, in fact, uniformity is, 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 is antithetical to my goal and is, is the industrialized school method. It, that is, that is one of the assumptions built into many of those things. And now it's kind of breaking down as people choose charter schools, right? Choose different, different systems, which is great. And I'm glad for anyone able to take advantage of those things. Um, but right. That's, that's not what we're here pushing for. We're not here, but that, that, so what's important then is you, right? What's important then is you and what you're doing before the Lord in faith and in, in obedience to his word. Right. All right. Final closing statements. Here we go. That's good. Well, speaking of time management, speaking we're running out. We Let me finish by asking briefly, what is the most compelling part of your opponent's argument? We'll start with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very sympathetic. And I think especially the idea of, you know, still being deeply involved in the community and, and related to that, what you said about not just making choices that are for my family, you know, which is, I think, so easy to default to that. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that as well. I'm sure I probably even have said that phrase at some point. And I, so I really appreciate that and, and value what you're saying about the, I've got to think about more than my family. I got to think about how my family can and should contribute to larger goods. So really appreciate that. Yeah. How strong was that, Pastor Michael? I'll give you like I'll give you the one word on. Do you find that strong? Boo! Boo. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't find that strong at all. I am. Boo. That was that's not the most compelling. I, well, in some ways, I guess it is. It, it feels the most compelling until you think about it for one second and you realize that the best way that you can make the like do the most good for the most amount of people is by doing the best for your particular children because they will be able to have a far greater impact that's far broader than you alone can do at this current time, right? So this is the nature of discipleship. Why did Christ only pour his time into primarily 12 disciples and of those even primarily three of them? Why does he do that? Why, why, did, why is there a kind of hierarchy in how he disciples others? Well, in part, it was literally the best way he could disciple right? Yeah. That's, that's how God has made the world to operate. You have a particular uh, level of influence that is deepest amongst those who are closest to you. And as you pour into them, they can now do far more than you could do alone. So the idea that in some way it's, it's not for the public good, if you focus on your household is actually exactly wrong. Yes. Yep. I, I, I think that is an excellent point um especially applying it to christ's disciples all right let's i'll be interested to hear what argument 
Jen found most compelling? I think the time piece, because I love I love the time with it. Uh, you know, I've joked with Jonathan. It's not a joke that I just want them to all live on the same block and we can all do, you know, I'm like, I get other cultures do that. And I know this why. It's not the strong. Uh, and really. and there is that. I remember when the year between um, Matt's kindergarten and Mary Kate's kindergarten, the state of Texas changed kindergarten from half day to full day. And I was so sad. You know, I, I was like, the state took my children from me. You know, I'm sure I was super dramatic about it. But uh, there is that. I mean, you do, like, I remember just missing them, you know, at the beginning of each school year. And then you hit a rhythm and you you try to recapture what time you can. And I do think that we did recapture um, or, or uh, hold on to really good time spaces for people who had chosen public education. But he's not wrong. Uh, homeschool gives you a lot of time with your kids and that's precious time. And um, I know uh, some of our favorite people were homeschooled as kids. Like they're not, you know, all the stereotypes that you might've heard 20 years ago or whatever, they're just not true. Um, really well uh, grounded and well-formed kids can come out of a homeschool space. And um, I cannot deny that and have no wish to, but um, yeah, it's the time. It's that sweet. How could how could that be the most compelling piece <laughs> of this? The man laid out this like case for the paideia of God that we are to like inculcate our children with. I wish we could have hung out more. <laughs> Dang, like, I, yeah, I'm glad she has a husband who worked, you know, full time and and gave that her as a mother the time to do these things with her children. But that is. That is just that is just not the motivating the motivating thing, man. Sweet time piece. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both for joining us, for leaving your families to come here and participate in this. I really do appreciate you're welcome. Both. Also I appreciate the way you have made your decisions. Mm -hmm. You made them wanting to honor God, honor your family, honor the values that you teach in the Sermon on the Mount. And so thank you for living authentically in that way. And thank you for joining us in this good faith debate. We hope that it has been helpful. We hope the time that you have spent watching it is free. All right, Pastor Michael, I'd like to thank you for joining us and everyone who, who joined us and will join us on our next live stream when we do another Man. one of these. Uh, do you have any, do you have any super thankful uh, final, final thoughts? Can I just, I don't know if this will just open a can of worms when we're trying to finish this. <laughs> it might. I, but I like talking about this with you. I'm enjoy, I am enjoying myself doing this, even if I sound like an extremist. And maybe in some ways I am because I, it just, so much of the world of education today is just, uh, it's crazy. Like it's just gone, gone nuts. Um, so much of, so much of what, uh, what I heard from uh, Jen Wilkins' position sounded like the values that are instilled in you from a government school education, right? Like, okay, it's everybody deserves this right. It's something that everybody should get this kind of egalitarian, democratic, pluralistic. It's best if we all, you know, interact with one another. And um, it's it's best if my children are trained by people that are not Christians and, and all of this sort of thing. This These ideas of neutrality. Hey, we can have this space that's totally neutral. All of that sounds like somebody who was um, enculturated 
by the the 20th century ideals of government schools. Uh, it does not sound like what we heard from the other side, which was look at the way that scripture teaches to enculturate our children. Here's what that looks like. Here's a good way of doing that. There's not one way of doing it, but this seemed to us the best way. And, and that's how you get there. Um, it, it sounded like somebody that's starting with presuppositions that are already from that starting place, not coming from scripture. Mm. And that's why this is so important, by the way, because you could you yes. could get to adulthood and think that the way that you are going to educate your children is biblical when, in fact, you're just operating out of what is the, the secular worldview all around you. But you won't know it. You won't recognize it because that's how you received your education. That's how you were trained up when you were young. Good Faith Debates in good faith, mind you, the goodest of faith. Join us next week, Monday, 8 p.m., when we live stream another reaction for about an hour and a half. I don't know which one I'm hoping for, but please subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're watching the video. Do if you want to help choose what we do next, uh, you got to be one of the patrons. So jump on the Patreon. Um, it's only $3 a month at the lowest level, and you can join the group chat where we will allow our patrons to decide what we're going to watch next. If you join the Patreon today, you can find in our most recent episode about the Nephilim, which I think will be a good time if you choose to listen to that. And next week, let me tease the one you will find, because Pastor Michael and I are about to record it, is can alpha men go to churches pastored by beta males?